Welcome back to Not Your Normal Horror. I'm Kim. And I'm Jay. And we're back. We are back. Now, before we get into anything about tonight's episode, Jay has got something he'd like to share with you all. Yes, ma'am. Take it away, Jason. So, today's episode is being brought to you by Jot Coffee Company. Jot is a 20 times concentrated organic coffee liquid. Just one tablespoon, hence the name Jot, per 8 ounces of water or milk, or both, either hot or cold, will make an amazing coffee drink. Macchiatos, cappuccinos, lattes, desserts, add it to your ice cream, nothing is off limit with Jot's. I personally have their monthly subscription of regular coffee as well as the monthly flavor rotation. Subscriptions can be canceled or paused at any time. If you go to jot.co forward slash NYNH, you will receive 25% off your first order plus a free gift valued at $30. Trust me, y'all will not be disappointed. Kim's probably mad because the Keurig she bought me is out there collecting dust. Sure is. And the K-Cups I bought are just sitting in their little holder not being used. This stuff is legit, folks. Again, go to jot.co forward slash N-Y-N-H to receive your free $30 valued gift and 25% on your first order. There we go. How's that for y'all? Coffee drinkers, go for it. I'm not a coffee drinker, but Jay is, and boy, does he swear by this stuff. So It is freaking delicious. I take his word for it. it. smells great. I just, I don't drink coffee, so it's not my thing. I'm waiting for next month. It is a Mexican blend of coffee with some chocolate and honey notes. I'm just excited for it. So... Good. That's enough about that now. Go to jot.co forward slash NYNH. Get your 25% off. Get your free gift. Give it a try. Let us know what you think. There you go. Now, on to tonight's episode. Yes, let's do that. I got the notes done for the one that I talked about in the last episode. And I got them done on Friday, which means Jay did not have to wait on me hand and foot. On the why, does it, why doesn't it say the Japanese... The Japanese one. Well, because it's not the Japanese one. But that's what you called it last time. Because I didn't want to give away... I said it was a Japanese topic. I didn't Uh, want to give away what it was about. You should have titled it the Japanese topic. But that's kind of generalizing. Okay. This is a very specific case. True. I can't wait to hear it. I'm excited because you are super excited that you got it done. Yes, I was. Not only do I have that one done, I have next week's done, too. Oh, snap. Look who's getting you back go, in the, girl, in high the five groove. It. Back in the groove. Go, babe. So let's jump right in, shall we? We shall. All right. Tonight's episode is about the Setagaya murders. The Setagaya murders? Setagaya murders. Never even heard of it. Well, maybe once you get into it, but... I don't think you will have. Probably not. So this is about the Miyazawa family who lived in a suburb of Tokyo called Setagaya, they were found brutally murdered on December 31st, 2000. Husband and father Mikio, wife and mother Yazuko, and children Nina and Ray had been killed during a home invasion. Wait a minute. 
I mean, they had like legit. No, but listen, I know you're going to say that. So Nina is spelled N-I-I-N-A. So like Nina. Okay. And then Ray is spelled R-E-I. So they're not okay, like I was, I was about Americanized say, Man, they had like spelling. legit, no. you know, like mm-hmm. Japanese names and then they're like, our kids are Nina and Ray. No, that's okay. why. Yeah, I'm, I, I was going to say, I mean, I mean on, doesn't matter what their names are, but yeah. yeah I had already planned on pointing that out because I knew you okay. were going to bring that up. <laughs> you know me. Yazuko's mother discovered their bodies at 10.40 a.m. Mikio, Yazuko, and Nina had all been stabbed to death while Ray had been strangled. New Year's Eve is known as Omisoka in Japan. It's typically a joyous day where people celebrate a promising new start as the old you fades away. It is regarded as one of the most important days of the year in Japan. However, these murders put a bad mark on the holiday for the people of Japan. I can imagine. The Miyazawa family were known as a typical Japanese family. Mikio was the 44-year-old patriarch of the family. He worked for Interbrand, which is a London-based marketing firm. Interbrand is a huge company with offices in over 20 countries and has worked on large marketing campaigns for Microsoft, Nissan, Xerox, and many other big-name companies. In 1999, they were credited with creating the term Wi-Fi. Really? Yeah, I did not know that. Isn't that interesting? Like, you th- you don't think about people creating terms, but they, they did. Wi-Fi stands for? Wireless. wireless. Oh, my God. Yeah, see? <laughs> that's as far as I was ever able to get to. <laughs> you, you thought you just knew. That's what everybody says. Oh, it stands for wireless... Uh... Uh, Look, what does it yeah. stand for? <laughs> Got him. Damn. Yup. Well, now I feel stupid. <laughs> Anyways, Mikio's fellow employees described him as the kind of person who got along with everyone. He was not the sort of person to make enemies. Yazuka was the 41-year-old mother and wife. She was also described as likable, very kind, and compassionate. She was a teacher and spent most of her time with her children, Nina and Ray. Nina was eight years old and in second grade. She was just a typical little girl. She liked having fun. She was playful and was very active in both soccer and ballet. Ray was six years old. He had a speech impediment and the family had begun seeking professional help for this. The Miyazawas moved into their Setagaya home in 1990. There were over 200 other families living in the area and they thought it would be a nice place to start and raise their family. Their home was kind of like a duplex. On the outside, it looked like one house, but it was actually two on the inside. What? Mm -hmm. Therefore, they were able to live in the same building as Yuzuko's mother, sister, and brother-in-law. While they were all able to live in the same building, the inside was not connected. So in order to visit one another, they would have to go outside and through another door. Uh, Behind their home was Soshigaya Park, which had been there for years. The city had planned on expanding the park, and with that, several families had moved away in recent months. When the Miyazawas first moved in, there were over 200 families in their community. Now, there were four. Wow. The the Miyazawas, their relatives living next to them, and two other families that lived on their street. In the ever-expanding park behind their home was a skate park, which brought some issues to the Miyazawa family. The skate park was only separated from their home by a fence. A week before New Year's Eve... When they were murdered. Mikio had to confront a group of loud and obnoxious teenagers at the skate park for being too loud. 
Around the same time, a witness recalled seeing Mikio confront another group of miners, this one belonging to the Bozozuko, which is a kind of which is kind of like a Japanese motorcycle gang. The family had decided they had enough and were planning to move away from the park. Unfortunately, they never had the chance. Yuzuko mentioned to her father-in-law on December 25th that a strange car had been parking in front of their house. It wasn't just once, it was several times. This was strange because there was other parking available where you wouldn't have to jump the fence to enter the park, if that's what the occupants of the car were actually doing. On December 27th, witnesses saw a man they thought to be in his 40s walking around the Miyazawa home. Again, nobody really thought anything of it because maybe he was heading to the park behind their home. But after what happened to the family, it seems a little sus. Very sus. On December 29th, a man was spotted at a nearby railway station, just a few miles from the Miyazawa family home. He was wearing what was described as a, quote, skater outfit, which was strange because he wasn't dressed appropriately for the weather. On the same day, a man roughly matching this description bought a sashimi knife from the shopping area within the railway station. This was the only sashimi knife purchased from from that market on that day, making it easy to trace. The following day, December 30th, a man matching the same description was spotted near Sengawa Station, which was about a mile from the Miyazawa home. It seems he was getting closer and closer to their home. He was described as being between 35 and 40. On this day, the Miyazawa family went about their normal business. Around 6 p.m., they went shopping. According to an eyewitness, all four were seen at a nearby shopping center at this time. A neighbor recalled driving by their house around 6.30 p.m. and noticing the family car was not there. Around 7 p.m., Yuzuko called her mother, probably to ask if she wanted to spend some time with Nina, as Nina went over there to watch TV until around 9.30 p.m. before she headed back home. 10.38 p.m. was the last time anyone from the Miyazawa family was active. There was a work email that Mikio had read, and since it was password protected, it makes sense that he was the one who accessed it. That evening, a witness who had been walking along the park path behind the Miyazawa home heard what they said sounded like an argument inside the house. It wasn't described as a screaming match, and there were no sounds of things or people being thrown around the house. It sounded just like a normal married couple argument, according to the witness. Around this same time, another witness reported seeing a man walking quickly along the path that was next to the family's home. Around midnight, a taxi driver picked up three middle-aged men close to the family's home. He didn't get their names, but he did mention that they were quiet the entire cab ride, like not a word was spoken. Not a peep. He also noted that one of the men had a wound on him, which left a blood stain on the back seat of the cab. He found it odd, but apparently didn't think too much of it. The next morning on New There's Year's DNA Eve, DNA all over that bag and I can. Yep. The next morning on New Year's Eve, Yuzuko's mother tried to call over to her daughter's house, trying to make plans for that afternoon. Her phone call wouldn't go through at all. What she didn't know was that the phone lines in the Miyazawa home had been deliberately cut. She left her home and walked over to her daughter's house, using her set of keys to let herself in after getting no answer from ringing the bell. As she entered the house, it was silent, which was not a good sign. She found Mikio's body at the bottom of the staircase. He had been stabbed several times. His body left at the bottom of the staircase, heading up to the second floor. She made her way upstairs, hoping to find the rest of her family alive, but all hope was dashed as she found the bodies of Yuzuko and Nina at the top of the stairs. 
Both of them had been stabbed dozens of times, more than Mikio. She recalled putting her hands on both bodies, either out of sorrow or in the hopes that there might, may still be signs of life in either body. Unfortunately, both bodies were cold and lifeless. Finally, she entered the room of Ray and found him dead in his bed, having been strangled to death. Traumatized, she contacted the police, who responded to the murders in shock. Sure. At the scene, the police began trying to piece together what happened. They questioned Haruko, which is Jizuko's mom, mm-hmm. her daughter and son-in-law, who had been next door while the crimes were committed. They recalled hearing a loud thud around 11.30 p.m., but they thought it was from the TV program that they were watching. However, based on the wounds to Mikio's body, they believed he confronted the attacker or attackers, and the thud that was heard next door was his body being thrown down the stairs. The majority of Mikio's stab wounds were focused on his neck, and police were able to tell that a sashimi knife, sashimi knife, why can't I say that word? The very same knife that was purchased at the market the previous day had made them. The knife was left in the family's kitchen, and it appeared to have broken while attacking the family. Turns out, part of it had broken off in the victim's bodies. Police found evidence at the scene that the sashimi knife was not the only weapon used in the murders. They believed that a knife that belonged to Mikio and Yuzuko from their own kitchen was also used in the attacks. Nearly six hours after the bodies were found, a man was admitted to a medical center in Tobu Niko Station, which was a few hours north of Setagaya. He was in his 30s and did not give his name or the cause of his injury, which was a hand wound that exposed bone. Uh-huh. Staff at the medical center were shocked at how calm the man was regarding his injury. The man was released once his injury was treated. Again, not giving his name. How do you go to a hospital and not give your... I, mean, I guess it's, it's different there. I don't Yeah, know. it's got... I mean, it's... I don't know. Wow. Back at the murder scene, police had found both knives used in the murders. Well, both. if you don't give your name at the hospital, like, how do they bill you for your... Unless you paid cash. Again, we don't know what it... But the medical I'm gonna have to like look that there. up, man. Like, I don't have any idea what it's like over there. I'm gonna have to look that up because they I'm interested. Like, <clears throat> and like, they have like a cash register at the hospital. Like, all right, man, you owe uh, three hundred eighty-seven dollars. So, well, like, don't forget over there, and, like over another parts of the world, there's like what is it? Um, the free healthcare, or universal or universal healthcare. universal healthcare. Yeah, yeah. So probably ain't a big deal. I don't know. I don't know if Japan's out. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Back at the murder scene, police have found both knives used in the murders. Both were found in the kitchen, covered in blood. They also found that Yuzuko had opened the home's first aid kit, most likely in Nina in the beginning of the attack, as some of the some of the bandage material was found to have. Mm. They also found that Yuzuko had opened the home's first aid kit, and Nina had most likely, in the beginning of the attack, used some of the bandage material to bandage her wounds up because her blood was found on the bandage materials. Nina's was, mm-hmm. not n- not Yuzuko's. In the upstairs bathroom, police found an unflushed toilet that contained feces left by the killer. What? They believe it was left there by the killer who was either ignorant of the fact that DNA could be extracted from it or was too cocky thinking he could get away with it. <laughs> cocky. <laughs> Poop, cocky. What do those two things have to do with one another? Did you never heard like little kids? Oh, I gotta take a cocky when they got a no. poop. Oh, never mind. Okay, commence. Wow. 
Analysis of the feces showed Some remnants of... Okay, I'm glad you guys will get it then. Analysis of the feces showed remnants of a sesame spinach dish that contained string beans. Beans. <laughs> beans. Barns. String beans. String barns. Which had likely been eaten elsewhere because they didn't find that in the Miyazawa home. Police found footprints left all over the house. Some were found in blood. Some were found in dirt. The shoe prints were found to be a specific type of Slazinger shoe, which was available, which were available all over Japan. However, the size left behind in the house was a specific size that wasn't available in Japan, but it was a Korean shoe size, meaning the shoe would have likely been found for sale, only been found for sale in South Korea. Oh. Along with the bandages found that contained Nina's blood, police found towels and women's sanitation napkins, which had unknown blood on them. This further implied that Mikio was able to fight the attackers, possibly injuring them to where they would need to provide themselves quick first aid care. Police collected blood samples and sent them away for testing. They also found several items of clothing that were apparently brought and left behind by the killer. The clothing was not something that any of the members of the Miyazawa family had been known to wear any time before, and the sizes did not match any of the sizes of the Miyazawa family's clothing. Left behind were a gray hat, a black AirTech jacket, a white and purple long-sleeved shirt, black Edwin gloves, a multicolored scarf with no tags, and a black handkerchief, which had been ironed. All of the clothes left behind were neatly folded and left on the living room sofa along with the knives, a muffler, and his bag, the killer's bag. The long-sleeved shirt had bloodstains on it. It was only sold in Marafuru Shops, which was a retail chain that also sold the gloves and hat that were found at the scene. Along with the items of clothing left behind, the killer also left his bag behind. It's a combination of a messenger bag, a small backpack, and a fanny pack. Inside the bag a was... three in one freaking bag. It was just like that's there. how they described it. It wasn't like all three things. It's just... Like a fanny pack and a messenger bag are like two totally different bags, mm-hmm. you know? Inside the bag was a piece of grip tape that was used for the surface of skateboards. Next, they found trace evidence of Dracar Noir... Which forensic oh, analysis shit back in the day. Which forensic analysis found on the handkerchief that had been left behind. Lastly, they found sand in the bag. The sand in the bag was tested and found to have come from the southwestern US, around Edwards Air Force Base, a military base about a hundred miles north of LA. This led investigators to believe that the killer may actually have been an airman stationed in Tokyo. Or maybe someone who did contractor work in multiple countries. But the iron handkerchief lent more credence to the killer being military, as military personnel are known to have to iron all parts of their uniforms. Mm-hmm. Police were stumped in regards to who the killer could be. As stated before, the members of the family were likable and unlikely to have enemies. They appealed to the public, asking if anyone had any information about the clothing that was left behind by the killer. Unfortunately, the clothing left behind was very common as thousands of each had been sold in Japan in the year or so prior to the murders, meaning it would have been impossible to track down every buyer. During the investigation, police had figured the second story bathroom window was the most likely way the killer had entered the house. 
The window was accessible from the back of the house and was located just above the fence that separated the house from the park. He, or they, must have climbed a tree and removed the window screen to get into the house. They suspected that six-year-old Ray was the first victim after the killer broke in. They suspect that Mikia was downstairs working on his computer and got distracted by a noise upstairs. They believe he walked upstairs, confronted the attacker, or attackers, and a fight ensued where Mikia was then stabbed to death and tossed down the stairs. If this is what, if this is what happened, then they believe Yazuko and Nina were the last victims. They believe the girls heard the noises and approached the killer, only to be attacked. Because Nina's blood was found on the bandages in the first aid kit, it is believed that the killer had tried attacking them with his broken knife, then realized that did not work, so he went to the kitchen for a new knife. This would give Nina or Yazuko time to try to bandage mm-hmm. any of Nina's wounds. Yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, how she had uh-huh. time to, yep. you know, get a first aid kit. And, well, yeah, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense. Well. However, the killer would then return with a new weapon and kill Yuzuko and Nina at the bottom of the ladder that led up to the loft. It is believed that while the killer was downstairs looking for a weapon, Yuzuko and Nina were trying to climb up the ladder to the loft, hoping they would be able to pull it away before the killer could come back and get them. They didn't do it fast enough. Mm -hmm. Evidence showed that the killer did not leave immediately after killing the family. Well, no, obviously he took a shit. They believe he stayed there for hours after the murder, just making himself at home. He never even covered up the bodies of his victims. Instead, evidence showed he took a nap on their couch, ate food from the refrigerator, such as four bottles of barley tea, melon, and ice cream, and used the family's computer. Police found four ice cream wrappers, which had the killer's fingerprints on them. The fingerprints were found all over the house and did not match any of the family members' fingerprints, and having these found around the house likely dismisses the idea of the killer being military as their fingerprints would or should be on file. And they could not find a match. No match. Looking at the history of the family computer, they found that at 1.18 a.m., believed to be a few hours after the murders, a website belonging to Shiki Theater Company had been accessed. Mikio had bookmarked this website as he had a history of working with theater. It seems that the killer had accessed the website to try to buy tickets for a show online. The computer also showed that the killer had been logged onto the I'm sorry that the the killer had logged onto the computer again hours later as at approximately 10:05 a.m. close to the time Haruko came to check on her family, websites of Mikio's company Interbrand in the school where Yuzuko taught at were also accessed. It appeared the killer was only accessing websites that the family had bookmarked. Once he was done, he unplugged the computer from the wall. Police found the family's ID and credit cards near the couch in the living room. The same couch where he took himself a little nap. I'm still trying to wrap my head around why he's just accessing websites that the family had bookmarked. Just to fuck with. Well, why would he get on anything that interests him and gives himself away? Yeah. They believe that the killer, or killers, wanted to try to figure out the PIN number to use the cards and get money. Not sure why they left them behind. Before leaving the Miyazawa house, the killer gathered several items from the home and put them in the bathtub. Police found garbage, such as the ice cream wrappers and advertising pamphlets that had been cut up, as well as work receipts from Mikio and school documents from Yuzuko School, and some female sanitary items that contained the killer's blood. 
Why he would leave his blood behind has me stumped, but since this case is still unsolved, it what? apparently did not matter. Wow. Still unsolved 20, almost 22 late, years Jesus later. Jesus Christ. 22 years. Yep. In yeah, the 1990s. Huh? No, I said tw- 2000. They also found two handbags, oh, yeah. Mikio's yeah. wallet, and house keys in the toilet. Why? Why is he putting stuff in the toilet? Or are they? He's a fucking idiot. Police believe the killer got away with about 150,000 yen, which would equal about 1,000 American dollars. While searching the house, they found more money in the study where the killer had eaten ice cream and surfed the internet. The only other thing missing from the house was a jacket of Mikio's. So they took about $1,000 an hour, mm-hmm. like 1000 American dollars, but left money behind. So if robbery was the motive here, why didn't they take all the money and anything that had any kind of value to it yeah. whatsoever? When Yuzuko's mother had entered the house that morning, the door had been locked. This led investigators to believe that the killer may have left a different, possibly, may have left a different way, possibly back out the window he used to break in. Over the years, however, she has become less and less certain that the door was in fact locked. So now she doesn't remember if it was locked or unlocked. In 2006, forensic tests were done on the killer's blood that was left behind. They found that he was mixed race and likely not a Japanese citizen. His parents were Eastern Asian and Southern European. Quote, the killer was a male of Asian extraction. His DNA carried a marker from his father that occurs in one out of every 13 Japanese, one out of about 10 Chinese, and one in every five or so Koreans. Based on mitochondrial DNA, his mother had an ancestor originating from the Southern Mediterranean area, probably around the Adriatic. Adriatic. That's it. End quote. A police source told magazine Japan Today. Besides the DNA evidence, it is known that the killer was about five feet seven seven inches tall based on the clothes he left behind. They know that his shoe size was 27.7 centimeters long, which is about 11 inches. And his blood type was A. They believe he was between... 15 and 35 at the time of the murders, and based on the wounds inflicted on the Miyazawas, he was right-handed. Despite over 250,000 police officers working on the case, the killer or killers have managed to escape prosecution for almost 22 years. How many police? 250,000. What? Yeah. Jesus Christ. The superintendent general of the Metropolitan Police Department, Takeshi Noda, told detectives, quote, this is an extremely brutal crime. Do whatever you can to arrest the culprit, end quote. None of the fingerprints found on scene nor any of the DNA were ever matched to anyone. How is this possible? Did this killer or killers just commit this one crime and then never did anything again? Police are planning to use DNA analysis found at the scene, as well as the most up-to-date technology available today in order to create a rendering of the killer's face and physical appearance. To this day, dozens of officers are still assigned to the case and are no closer to solving it than they were 22 years ago. Wow, that's insane. 22 years, fingerprints everywhere, DNA everywhere, and they still can't solve it. That's insane. I don't get how you have, like, you think you have DNA and you're, like, golden. No, yeah. Like, golden, you're... DNA, fingerprints. You've got to have the answer, but... Apparently not. Yeah, that's... 
So like the whole the whole three guys in the cabin, the one with the 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 wound that left the blood stain behind. Does that mean there were three killers, or was one of them the killer? The other two were like his lookouts, and that's why only one of them had a wound, and that's why maybe there's one killer, like there's blood type of one killer left in the house, and their fingerprints are the only ones in the house. Yeah, because they only found the one set of fingerprints, the one DNA. Mm-hmm. So like, it had to be. They had to have been outside looking out, you know. Yep. That's. So yeah. Man, I hope they solve that one day. That's. I mean, the the later we get, the more technology advances. So, I think they have a better chance now than they ever did. Two hundred fifty thousand yeah, I mean, police I, officers. We've seen stuff on TV where they used like DNA to kind of do like a bust, uh, like a, yes, like a, a facial rendering right? yeah. of somebody. That's what like, they're planning on doing. And like it was, and like they they freaking had found the one person or whatever, mm-hmm. you know that. You know. That was on Forensic Files, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Man, that's wild. So, this one was a little... The, the reason I had to... It, this one took me so long is because it's a Japanese case. So, finding... English... English trend. articles... Yeah. ...was difficult. But I did what I could. I found what I could. Um... And I'm with you. I hope it gets solved soon. Let's put that out in the atmosphere. Let's do that. Universe. Let them solve the case. So, like I said, next week's is already done. Ready to go. Written up. Good to go. Can't wait. It's a... Mm. Is it a doozy? No. But it's probably something that terrifies me more than anything else in this world. One of the things that terrifies me more than anything else in this world. And you will just have to wait a week to find out what that is. Because I'm hiding the notes so you can't find them. I'm going to look for them. <laughs> so, again, we'll be back on Wednesday. Um, in the meantime, rate, review, email us if you guys have questions or suggestions. Uh, we have the Facebook group, Not Your Normal Horror Podcast. We have Twitter, Not Your Normal Horror Pod. We have Instagram, Not Your Normal Horror Podcast. And you can go back to the beginning and listen to Jay's wonderfully done ad for jot coffee or that's jot.co forward slash n y n h get your 25 percent off and your third your gift your free gift yes your free gift valued at 30 dollars so that's that and until next time keep it spooky bye